episode 165 you have a trouble finding bass on new lakes new waters then this podcast for you This week, the Hell of Ass Bass Fishing Podcast is brought to you by Arsenal Fishing. Arsenal Fishing offers premium custom-made performance apparel and tackle. Arsenal delivers a wide variety of custom-designed baits, accessories, and tools, along with unique utilitarian apparel for all outdoor enthusiasts. As part of their support, you can use code HELLABASS15 to save 15% on all purchases at arsenalfishing.com to support the show. Now let's get back to helping you catch more bass and suck less. everyone we've all been faced with a time or two whether it's a fun vacation tournament going out of state for a fishing trip where we've had to go explore new waters and find fish and find bass quickly and try to see results very fast and that's all we're going to talk about tonight is we're going to talk about how to use tools technology and all the arrows in your quiver on how you can break down new water fast and get on fish and have fun and that's what we all want to do on the water is have fun fishing and to help things out tonight is uh, Tilo, Trevor, what's going on? What's up? Thanks for having me. I mean, maybe you like to just go out and like just watch birds and, you know, I mean, not catch fish and just kind of take in nature. But I don't know. Sometimes it's more fun to actually catch them. What do you think? Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree with that. Um, it's kind of been a theme of the last couple of years. I haven't been fishing all that much, having some boat issues. Uh, and then now with a one-year-old daughter it's just uh i don't want to say fishing's taking a back seat uh but that's just kind of seasonality of life i guess so i'd like to yeah. catch more and i, I think can. that to the point is right now you're you know maybe rewind five years ago you were had all the time in the water to go out and enjoy the the birds and the and the scenery and catch a few bass along the way and now you're going to be like i got two hours to go catch bass i want to catch them now right so like it that all relates for sure Mm-hmm. yeah it's a it's a completely different change of pace uh definitely i think back five years ago um you know it was fishing 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 wasn't married no kids uh guiding full-time so even on the days that i wasn't you know taking clients out i was out there just trying to catch them trying to find them so that i could put our my clients on fish so um definitely understand that that notion for sure and as as your little coing future coing like gets a little older and she's like, dad, I want to go catch a bass. Then you're like, now the pressure's really on. Like, <laughs> you know, their attention span is really short. So like, if you're going to go out, you want to like have results. So for sure. Yeah. Uh, I guess the only <laughs> argument I have there is uh, she probably wouldn't be a paying client. So uh, I guess we could, we could potentially struggle a little bit more. Yeah. Time is money. So time is money. Uh, all right lots of familiar faces in the chat what's going on everybody looks like uh brian says looks good sounds good so we're off to the races dustin's not in the prison tonight he gets to watch right away so tonight's stream is uh presented by arsenal fishing and boosted by powerhouse lithium and uh, we got trevor former classic bassmaster classic qualifier trevor Lowe. yeah yeah uh Shortly after the earth crusted over, but uh, it still kind of feels like yesterday for sure. For sure. But the, there's, there's, I think there's only what, I don't know what the number is, like four or 500 anglers in the world that have ever fished the Bassmaster Classic or something like that. It's only a few hundred. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Um, it's a, 
it's a special thing, especially being from Minnesota. I think there's like less than 10 that have made it from Minnesota. So that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of good company to be in. Um, obviously I probably finished the worst out of all of them, but Hey, fish the classic. That was good advice. Class and tackle. It's okay to use the cheap diapers during the day, but you go for the name brand ones at night. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> Appreciate that little uh, uh, wisdom there. Absolutely. So you you made the classic through the college, and uh, when you guys won the national championship, right? That was on uh, Lake Dubay in Wisconsin. Yeah. Steven's point, yeah. Was that new water to you at the time? It was. Um, you know, it's it's crazy. I tell people when I fished the Classic, that was the 12th tournament I'd fished in my lifetime, which is just unbelievable to think you go for. And that's including like small little pickup, you know, uh, Saturday morning pickups in these local clubs or local groups. You know, that's not even like organized Minnesota Bass Nation, Bass Federation, anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, that's including all these tiny little pickups. So, uh, definitely fishing Wisconsin water was completely new to me. Uh, wasn't super familiar with river systems and that sort of deal. Um, but, uh, had a buddy who kind of showed me the ropes on, on that stuff and, uh, yeah, made the most of it and, and, uh, won the college bracket. Very cool. So do you have any, any tricks up your sleeve for like conquering new waters in college? Um, like so what, what, what was your, uh, back then, right? Rewind. I don't know. Was that how long, eight years ago, something eight years like that? Ago, 2015. Yeah. Um, so what, what were your go-tos as a, uh, a, a semi avid novice college angler when you were going to these new waters for college? Yeah. It's, it's crazy to think back to that. Um, I watched, you know, some of the footage from that ESPN two show that they put together for that. And I mean, I'm throwing like a spinning rod with straight fluoro, like no, no hate towards anybody who runs straight fluoro on, on their spinning reels. But um, just like, I would never do that nowadays. <laughs> you know, it's always braid to a fluoro leader or something like that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's crazy to think back to how inexperienced I was um, fishing that tournament, but everything's still going, going right for me. And I think uh, a lot of what helped me was looking at you know, like Google Earth and knowing that it's a river system, obviously smallmouth are going to want to be around current, um, current breaks, any sort of like eddies so that, you know, they can ambush uh, uh, bait fish, prey, anything like that as it's coming down the wash. But I mean, a, a lot of that is just, you know, your, your standard typical textbook knowledge stuff. Um, and I think, you know, you don't really understand what to do on a particular body of water until you get out there and actually fish it. Um, so what I was looking for specifically on that particular bay or not bay uh, pool was uh, outside bends in the main channel, uh, because those are the ones that are going to get hit hardest by the current, you know, it's going to have steeper drops, that sort of stuff. And uh, without having any sort of experience on that particular body of water, if I could, you know, find that through mapping um, and then just try to figure out which, which of those, you know, outside turns has cover on it, you know, whether it's lay downs, whether it's, uh, you know, wing dams or hard bottom of that sort of, sort of thing, you know, that I figured that would be my high percentage areas, uh, per se. Yeah. Very cool. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to, I mean, tonight's show a couple things on the agenda. I think we're going to, 
breaking news, the Bassmash Elite Series schedule for 2024 came out today. So I think uh, as both avid fans of the Bassmasters and the uh, and, and pro fishing, we'll probably touch on that. And then we're going to dig into some of the tools and techniques that we both like to use for researching new bodies of water, whether that's, you know, going down to Grand Lake, Oklahoma for the first time fishing the Bassmaster Classic or meeting buddies for a bachelor weekend at a lake at a cabin that you've never seen before or, you know, go fishing a club tourney or, a, you know, a team event or anything like that. So it all kind of applies and we'll, we'll touch on that. Uh, and that's going to be kind of the focus of the show. Uh, what do you think? Should we should we talk elite schedule first? Yeah, I'm, I'm Get that out of the way. I'm guessing there's a lot of people that would be interested in uh, that. Yeah, that uh, just—I think that just dropped today, earlier today, right? Yeah, I think I saw it at like hmm, sometime after lunch, maybe. Yeah, I think I was right around <laughs> noon. I don't know if I really yeah. like this view. I think I like the social media view here. Let me find a different <laughs> image of this instead of the the scrolling. We'll just find the. Uh... Oh, look, Chris Eldane is pandering on Twitter, getting uh, polls on whether front-facing sonar should be used or not. <laughs> that's uh, that's just a can of worms that's never going to go away, I feel like. I, think, uh... I was actually on a podcast last night, the Midwest Angler podcast, talking about that a little bit. Uh, yeah. but Yeah, that seems to be the talk of the town. I think, you know, I I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean it's an, it's just another tool to catch fish. Um, some people are going to say that, you know, you can't catch fish without, uh, these anglers aren't able to catch fish without it. And others are going to say, well, look at them. They've been catching fish for years without it. So I don't know. I think technology is constantly innovating. And, and I think, I don't know, I, I haven't seen, unless somebody can show me, you know, statistical data that's showing that these fisheries are just getting completely demolished because of forward facing sonar. I, at the, at this time, I don't, I don't see that there's an issue with it. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't, I have opinions. I'll, I'll probably come out with like a video standalone on that and, and, and deep dive on that a little bit. So here's the schedule for 2024 Bass Marley series fresh out. And I, and I almost wonder if some of the feedback and ripples pause them to maybe like rejuggle some things or maybe, the, I don't know, maybe it was just like venue and negotiations or maybe they're trying to think like, ah, how could we retool this to maybe like, I guess, limit front facing impact by how they did the schedule. I don't know. Who knows? Or maybe they wanted to see, wanted to let BPT MLF go first and they were going to go after. I, I don't know. So interesting. First thing that jumps out at me is that we're starting in Texas and not Florida which is to me a little bit nice change of pace. I don't know what you think of that. Yeah, I think uh that was probably the first thing that stuck out to me too, uh especially with it being Toledo. Toledo's always in like the top 10 of Bassmasters, top 100. Um and yeah, Tyler says seems like a heavy forward facing schedule. Um it definitely does. That's that's another thing that I noticed too is a lot of these uh fisheries aren't grass fisheries per se. Uh, you're not going to be fishing grass all that much, but then again, it, those are very specific uh, bodies of water, uh, especially down in the South. You know, a lot of it is, you know, man-made reservoirs and that sort of deal. So um, yeah, I think, you know, Toledo is probably going to be forward facing sonar for grand Harris chain could be, might not be uh, depends on, on, you know, the, their approach to it, because you look at Okeechobee this year, 
my good buddy Tyler won it <laughs> in a canal while everybody uh-huh. else is fishing, you know, uh, a football sized, uh, football field sized area. But, um, yeah. And, you know, a lot of these other lakes, you know, Murray, Wheeler, Smith, you know, I think those are going to be your brush standard brush pile stuff, you know, fishing spotted bass potentially. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting because I look at the first two and that, I think those are going to be pre-spawn into spawn. So I think that's going to, Will forward facing play? I do believe they will, but I don't think it's going to dominate. Like, there will be guys that do well, but I also think they're guys that will absolutely catch them on square bills and chatter yeah. and, you know, like just, just fishing. So I think you're going to see a pretty, you know, I think, think like Seminole, right? Like, Seminole, yes, was at one on forward facing sonar, but the rest of the top 10, I guess most of the other top 10 outside of. I guess uh, Fujita was kind of doing some, kind of not doing some, <clears throat> but a lot of the other guys mm-hmm. were fishing. And I think, I think you'll see a balance in those first two. I like that we're going to Texas instead of Florida. Shakes things up. We got a little bit of grass, but they're not like huge grass lakes. They're, I mean, they're, and there's a lot of stumps and lumber mm-hmm. and things like that. So I think that sometimes, especially that time of year in the spring. I don't think you get a lot of fish suspended above and out from the stumps. Like when, when Walters dominated, that was in the fall and right. The fish are loose to that kind of cover this time of year. I expect them to be like right tight to stumps and and things like that. So I think that to some degree will limit the dominance of front facing sonar. So I think those will be good events. And obviously fork in late February, March is going to be an absolute crush fest, right? That's, that's what the main, probably uh, half a dozen century belts are getting handed out unless they have just crazy bad weather. Yeah, (laughs) I agree with that. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you'll even find some guys that are like flipping bushes up in creeks, you know, for spawners and that sort of deal. And my guess is, you know, it's going to be dirtier water. You're not going to be, you know, sight fishing per se. Uh, And yeah, if you're flipping bushes, I don't know how much forward facing scenario you're using, but I mean, uh, is it, Santee Cooper this year was it uh, Luke Palmer that yeah. was using it on Cypress Tree? So you never know. I think, like I said, forward facing sonar is going to be that argument that can of worms that gets opened in every tournament this year, whether it's one on live scope or not. So yeah, absolutely. Grand Lake fifty fifty coin. I mean, if they're on a jerkbait bite, then yep, forward facing sonar is going to play. Uh, but they also could be a big spinnerbait bite. So, I mean, eh, that, that one I would say falls in the same bucket as the first three. You're going to see it. Uh, I mean, kind of like, I mean, I guess this year, right? Like Gussie won heavy electronics, but most of the other top 10, it wasn't really a factor. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I don't think. In... Oh, good. No, I just don't think there's a, uh... well, and, and I could be completely wrong on this, but, you know, I don't, I don't see Grand being a, a setting where, you know, somebody's going to be hanging a bait from the front of the boat and catching fish. I think, you know, that time of year is going to be that pre-spawn spawn deal. Uh, you know, guys are going to be power fishing, throwing a square belt on the bank or, or a spinner bait, like you said, or if, if the water's clear enough, they can, you know, work a jerk bait, but I don't, I don't see it where guys potentially run to the dam and, you know, catch these pelagic fish that are just feeding on school and bait fish. Yeah. And then April two stops in the, in Florida, I think those will be offshore tournaments. That's post-spawn. I think you're going to see shell beds and that kind of stuff. So I definitely think it's going to offshore. I don't have a good feel. I mean, heavy, I mean, at least Harris Chain, 
heavy grass. So I don't know. Up, oftentimes in Minnesota, heavy grass somewhat neutralizes largemouth live scope. Does it play? Does it does it help you understand where the fish are and the bluegill? But like true sniping is not typically a huge thing. But I wouldn't be surprised if it is a factor to some degree. St. John's River current. Again, I think it could be a factor, but I think there'll be a lot. I think that's going to be really interesting. Fishing St. John's later in the year, I think will make for an interesting tournament to watch on live. I think we're going to see things that we don't normally see being a non-spawn tournament on the St. John's. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it kind of reminds me of Cayuga back in the day when uh, I think it was Greg Hackney or something, you know, targeting, you know, grass clumps with a big striking jig um so maybe forward facing sonar just shows uh where those big grass clumps are but they're not necessarily mm-hmm. sniping fish with it uh, but that's kind of that, that would be kind of my guess if if they're going to be targeting offshore grass and that sort of deal but um yeah it's not going to be your standard get up in the back canals and catch bedded fish yeah what the tournaments they'll be fishing the bank or shallow water the most i think toledo bend Grand. Grand and probably those two. Yeah. If I had to guess, maybe Fork. I'm not really sure. Shallow. So I think Murray, if it's a herring spawn, if it's a herring spawn, front facing sonar will be leveraged to find bait and see mm-hmm. where they're running fish, but they're not going to be sniping them. They're going to be using it to stay on top of the fish so they can be positioned when they come up and boil and when they're schooling so they're they're not going to be like sniping fish but they're going to be watching for activity so they can get their baits in top waters and 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 keep them in high percentage spots i would love to see lake murray be a full-blown herring spawn type because like i have fond memories of like early elites of like 2008 2010 clark's hill when they would hit those on the herring spawns and just guys throwing those big pencil poppers and and those big you know just those are wild events to watch on live when when those topwater herring bites go down. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. Um, I think that's super exciting to see. Uh, everybody loves seeing topwater. And um, yeah, like you said, fond memories. I, I fished Smith, uh, Smith back in well, 2016, uh, my first run in the opens. And uh, I remember it was just a completely different world to me catching fish in 115 feet of water you know, and catching them on a, you know, a vision 110 and catching them on a, you know, a Zara spook and that sort of deal. And it was just like, you would see standing timber, you know, 60 to 80 feet tall. And these fish would be just suspended at the top, top of that timber. And then you just see big balls of bait uh, in the middle of the water column. And these fish would come up 20, 30 feet just to eat, you know, and it's just, it's super cool. And, And I think, you know, we don't, Minnesotans or us Northerners, we don't get to experience that very often. So if we can see that happening, like I said, uh, I think it'd be cool to, you know, showcase that, uh, that screencast of somebody's graph as they're in 110 feet of water or something like that, but they're catching them on top water. Absolutely. Wheeler, I think will be a ledge tournament. And, you know, if they're really pulling current, I don't know that front facing sonar will dominate. It will definitely be a factor. So I think Wheeler has the chance to not, I mean, it's going to, it'll play, but I think that'll be more of a, a side imaging, like, you know, kind of ledge fest type thing. And with only a hundred boats, I think Wheeler will fish pretty big. It fished pretty small when they were there 
I think in May this year for the opens with 225 boats with a hundred boats, I think Wheeler has the potential to be a pretty good tournament in June for those guys. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about Wheeler. Um, but yeah, to your point, I remember the opens was there and I, you know, it just sounded everybody that I talked to, it was just like everywhere you went, there was like six, seven boats on you. And so hopefully that's not the case with a smaller field, but yeah. But I didn't hear a lot of people talking about, I mean, there was definitely fish caught front facing sonar, but even the guy that won it, I don't remember him toting that he's a hummingbird guy, mega live, right? I don't really, <clears throat> Adam Rasmussen was more fishing ledges and humps and shell beds and stuff and waiting for the current to move and that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. So then the last three, I think will be primarily forward facing sonar tournaments. Yep. Yeah. I, you know, and like I said, with, with forward facing sonar, that argument is always going to be, be there, especially, you know, if you're fishing smallmouth Champlain, St. Lawrence, but um, I would venture to guess a ton of these um, agreements and proposals to go and visit these venues were put in place before uh, the events this year on, on those two lakes. So uh, all that negative feedback is just like, uh, what can you do? Uh, these these venues yeah. were already selected beforehand. So, oh well, and just this enjoy is the big smallmouth. Unpopular opinion, but I think three northern events is too much. Even as a northern person, I think if you just look at the, and, and you probably have the sales data to support this at Omnia, but like demographic wise, we don't represent 33% of the Bassmaster subscriber fan base. So, we probably don't need three northern smallmouth fisheries on the tournament yeah Guys but i texas and louisiana and mississippi get bored with big smallmouth events and do they need to be on the schedule yes but i think two is the right number i, I think three is too much it... yeah i i think i think you're you're probably accurate in saying that but um one thing that i will note is like we've been looking through sales data and even during these you know smallmouth events you'll see uh influxes of sales come in for these quote-unquote smallmouth baits from uh you know customers in texas and florida and mm -hmm. that sort of deal and trying to implement those strategies that they're seeing uh down in florida you know because it it could potentially give them a leg up because these fish aren't seeing the the typical carolina rig with a eight inch lizard or a or 10xd or something like that you know a big football jig so uh, and especially, you know, with forward-facing sonar, I feel like we keep talking about forward-facing sonar. Um, guys are, are finessing fish in, in Florida and in Texas a lot more frequently than they have been in the past. You look at Tyler Vett, uh, Cifuentes, and those guys, they're, you know, who, who would have thought, you know, you could win a, uh, you know, an Okeechobee tournament fishing in the canal, throwing a jerk bait, you know. Um, that's just not how it's done down there, you know. And I think with with people getting more and more acquainted with forward-facing sonar getting more uh, experience with it you're going to see a lot of these uh different techniques that are technically deemed northern techniques uh start to play in the south a lot more yeah and <clears throat> i'm not saying it, but i just I, I get there's a lot of people that just are disinterested by smallmouth across the country so i think this is more balanced and i think this is a good point, AJ. I think lacrosse is a good crossover. It's 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 a northern fishery that most of the country can relate to. And I think to some degree, Champlain, up until this year, used to be like that as well. 
you used to see topwater smallmouth and people flipping grass and doing all kinds of things. And this year, none of that played. And they're going back mm-hmm. basically the same time this year. So I don't see that changing next year. Um, so those last two will look a lot like they did this year, to be honest. Uh, this is a good question here. Sean says he wants to marshal two. Uh, he can't do Toledo. Um, he went to New York last time. So of those, where would you marshal? I think for me, I would go Murray for sure. Murray looks like a fascinating lake to go. And I think as a marshal, I think you're going to see a lot and it probably would be one of the, there's a good chance you're going to watch somebody slinging swim baits and top waters for the, you know, three to five pounders. And that probably would be pretty fun to watch as an observer. Um, I think Lake Fork would be a fun one because you, that'd be an interactive event, right? You're going to be a, a marshal slash judge. You're going to be weighing fish, entering them in part of score tracker. So if you're up for a little work, a little more interactive, I'd go Murray and Fork. And my wild card would be St. John's. It's funny. You, uh, you picked three that I would not have picked. Um, I have a okay. soft spot obviously for, for places that I've been to, uh, grand, if you could, if you could marshal the classic, go marshal the classic. Um, the classic morning takeoff is unlike anything you have ever been a part of. Um, and there you go, Pete Smith was going to be my, my second one. Smith Lake is a gorgeous lake to be on. You're talking about the scenery there. Um, and yeah, as a marshal, obviously you're not fishing it, but man, it's, it's got some incredible scenery on, on uh, Smith Lake. You know, they've got the castle there or the, the house that they deem is the castle on Smith Lake uh, and just incredible um, just scenery, you know, the way that Lake snakes around. So really, really cool place to be. Yeah, there you go. So two different perspectives there for you, Sean, and you can decide who's right. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, though, I think not a lot of new places, but I think, places at new times of year uh and places we haven't been in a minute so i think overall i give it a at least a b plus for schedule yeah i think it's i think it's pretty good i i, I dig it i'm not you know i don't get too hung up on you know I'm, I'm a fan of the sport you know if if i can see guys go catch fish that's that's more of what it is i think you know if if it's constantly the same place over and over and over and over again that gets a little old but uh you know uh just seeing guys catch fish and trying to understand or trying to better learn different parts of the country and understand different fisheries. I mean, I'm a fan of that. Yeah. And see how they, they break down water, how they attack it so we can learn and, and, yep, and exactly. add to what we're going to talk about in a minute here. So we're going to have a quick little word from the dream team. And then we're going to come back with tricks and tips and tools for how to find bass fast on new waters. Are you ready to reel in your next home purchase or refinance? Supreme Lending's Dream Team can help guide you through the entire mortgage process from pre-qualification to closing. We have a wide variety of home loan programs in our tackle box, including down payment assistance and first-time homebuyer options. You can ask Hella Bass. He trusted us to help finance his home. Contact the Dream Team today by searching Supreme Lending Dream Team or click the link below in the description or scan the QR code on your screen. All right. There's your hookup for when you need to 
a bigger place with a bigger garage, Trevor. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll make sure to contact Hella Bass <laughs> like it instructed that's, me to. That's actually, I don't, you know who Aaron Degas is? Oh, the Corey name Brand, is the team trail. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, his yeah. company. So, yeah. Oh, okay. So he's a Minnesota bass head for sure. So he's, yeah. it's cool to support a company that's willing to support bass fishing and is, is interested in bass fishing. So, sure. um, but yeah, let's, let's talk tips and tricks and, and you've got some experience in college going to new waters. Uh, you fished the classic, which was new waters at one point you've, you've dabbled in the opens. You've obviously guided and fished locally in Minnesota. So you've got a lot of perspectives and i've traveled a fair amount so i think between the two of us we can dole out some good tips and opportunities and and some of the things that we've done all the time and to walk through some of the newer tools that we're using as we get new 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 tools and new uh things to play with as technology improves and, and presented options out there yeah i think uh i think that's that's right um uh, <laughs> kind of like you texted me earlier uh don't go look at my Bassmaster uh finishes it's it's not impressive uh but yes i have had the chance to go and fish some of these, uh, you know, world-class fisheries and, uh, experience them and try to try to break them down. And yeah, I guess start from scratch per se, um, you know, and not have, you know, dots and waypoints and all sorts of information given to me. So it's, uh, it's definitely a learning experience, but, uh, yeah, I think you and I both have enough experience that we could kind of glean some or provide some insight to people. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes when things come easy and you have success, you don't learn as much as, you know, the school of hard knocks sometimes gives you harder, faster lessons at times. So just because you don't go out and kill them doesn't mean you didn't learn a ton. And, 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 you know, things that you would do differently now going back to Smith Lake than you did the first time and how you would research it and what you would have paid attention to um, goes a long ways as well. So I think like for me, yeah, most of the time when I'm going fishing to new waters, typically it resolves around a tournament. But I think, and that's probably the same for you, Trevor, I would imagine. But there are times that we go meet buddies and go to places or get a, you know, the, the in-laws book a cabin somewhere and you end up on a strange lake and you, you got to break down. But typically for me, it's a tournament. But I think all these things apply, whether you're fun fishing, a bachelor weekend or whatever, I think all these tools apply. But because it's tournament focused for me, Usually the, one of the first things that I'm going to do is I'm going to like do some Google searches, some Facebook searches, uh, you know, and, and look for some kind of tournament results so I can get a feel for the time of year. Am I going, is this like a, a 25 pound a day lake? Is this a 12 pound a day lake? What, what is like good fishing there? And that tells me a few things, right? Is if I'm in a tournament situation, it tells me like, what do I need to find to be competitive? Am I looking for brown? Am I looking for green? But also like, even when you're fun fishing, it's nice to know like what's good, right? Like, I think if, if you go to a lake for fun and you know, it has giants and you go and catch a bunch of 13 inches, it's like, oh, it was kind of fun. But you know, like I know five and six pounders live here. But on the flip side, if you know, people are only catching their win in terms of 13 pounds, you can be like, Hey, if I'm getting bites, I'm doing the right thing. So that's, that's where I typically uh, start with. And then from there, you know, if I can gather any data on like species, forage, you know, does it have small mouth? Does it have spot? Does it large mouth? You know, what do those creole surveys look like? That kind of stuff. You know, Minnesota, DNR is a, in Minnesota where the Minnesota Lake Finder is a wealth of information as far as like, are there bullheads in there? Are there sunfish? Are there perch? Are there tilapia? Are there ciscos? Like that kind of stuff. So those are the couple of the first places just to get like, okay, what kind of lake is this? And then look at a map of some kind just to kind of get a feel like, is this a 500 acre lake? Is it 5,000? Is it 100 feet deep? Is it 10 feet deep? 
that's kind of the basic stuff. Is do you have anything to add on high level? Um, no, I think I think that's right. Uh, a lot of you know looking up tournament uh, results. You know, kind of to your point, understanding how much weight you would need to be competitive or to to have a sh- shot at winning, unless the lake is just fishing completely off. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I think yeah, you'll you'll definitely kind of get a feel for how that lake is fishing. One thing that I do definitely look for is uh, I, I'm a big fan of just looking at like Google earth. Uh, sure. Yep. It's a good one. Some stuff that I like to look for, you know, especially if it's uh, uh, I try to look for the opposite of what the, of what the water body is. For example, if it's a lake, you know, a small 500 acre lake or something like that, if I can find like a Creek that runs into it, you know, that's going to be pushing in current or it's going to be, you know, drawing in, I don't know, bait fish or that sort of stuff, oxygenated water. You know, if I can find something like that, some oddball stuff, that's, that's kind of what I look for as well. Um, if it's a river system, if I can find some backwater that might be a little stagnant where, uh, you know, largemouth might get into a little bit. So they're not constantly fighting current. Um, that's, those are kind of some oddities that I, I kind of look for on, on Google earth, anything that kind of sticks out uh terrain wise not so much with uh you know what color the water is or where are lily pads or so on and so forth yeah for sure and i think google earth is good or even google map i mean like google earth google maps like uh that stuff's good it gives you it's like is this a highly developed lake is there like ten thousand docks is there 10 docks is it mostly swamp is it a lot of wood like you can kind of get a feel like is there going to be a lot of laydowns is there going to be a lot of like emergent vegetation it gives you kind of a vibe what that lake looks like before you get there and you can start like start visioning like what is it going to look like what am i I, is this the kind of lake i'm going to be slinging a buzz bait in a in a speed worm around or is this kind of a lake that i'm going to be like out dragging ned rigs and finesse tactics uh that yeah and and you know creeks culverts you know a lot of times you can see on google earth like if it looks like there's a little delta or like some sand you can kind of see like is this like is there really a creek there or is it actually something that's active that actually pushes water? Um, that can be really good. Um, and little sneak holes and things like that for sure. Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, to that point, um, you know, mixing that and partnering that with, you know, your map, obviously your contour map, just to see if, you know, Hey, this looks kind of good on satellite. I wonder what it looks like, uh, pulling up a contour map, whether it's on your, your fish finder if it's on an uh, an app or something like that yeah whatever you use. i mean 10 years ago right like 10 15 years ago i was like ordering hotspots maps and paper maps off the internet before i would go someplace typically or like oh like you know or if it was a minnesota we'd be like opening up like a minnesota map book and trying to like lean it that way and now it's more likely that i'm going to pull up you know the 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 one was it the one the the one boat network app or uh, an avionics app or hop in my boat and and, <laughs> and turn the power on and like scroll the, the lake master things like that for sure like in most recent years would be more likely to start kind of looking around at that kind of stuff um, but it's getting a little more easier with apps and websites and things like that to do some of that research on your phone or on your mobile device things like that that's probably more normal you know during commercials or you know if your wife makes you watch like you know baking shows or or british television at night and you're not really interested you can kind of do some map study on your phone or something like that i'm sure you don't have to deal with things like that but 
That's uh, that's I don't think that's my wife's flavor of television. Uh, I think <laughs> as a equivalent in your life that is yeah. like <laughs> the Bachelor, Bachelorette, that sort of stuff. But <laughs> sure, okay. But uh, no, I I definitely uh will try to get off the couch from watching that as much as I can. <laughs> or you can like hold hands with one hand and then be like, there you go, on your phone looking at your next tournament <laughs> like in the other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to that point, I, I think a uh, stuff that I used to try to dig up on the internet too, was just like old maps and uh, you know, stuff that you can find through like, uh, I don't, I don't even know how to word it. I don't want to say like government databases, but you sure. know, figure out where, you know, Corps of engineers beds, maps, uh, yeah. yeah. State park beds, maps. Bridges, like, yeah, exactly. Yep. So, yeah, that stuff will help you, especially in those southern reservoirs. I don't think it's going to play too much in these glacier lakes up here in Minnesota. But, uh, you know, when you're fishing down south, definitely, you know, it. you'll be driving over a spot and it's all yellow on the bottom. And all of a sudden it's like a super hard return red. And it's just like, what the heck was that? You know, and sure enough, you know, it's an old roadbed or it's an old bridge piling or so on and so forth. Yeah. Like back, you know, 10 plus years ago before mapping was like even getting good. Like the Mississippi River, we used to like go seek out like those flip chart river Corps of Engineer maps. That was like the best thing you could possibly find for the river back mm-hmm. then. Um, and so, I don't know. I mean, like technology wise, obviously we'll talk about in a little bit here going like once we get on the water, right, then there's, you know, how do we attack sonar, side imaging, driving around, that kind of stuff. But now I guess it's a good time to talk about that Omnia has some new tools to kind of, I think, both bridge the gap. At least I've used it a little bit as a, like, research tool before I go, but it's also a good reference tool once you get on the water. And I think even we can talk about how, like, it's actually a good post-mortem, like, armchair quarterback after an outing. So I think there's several ways to use the new, uh, what do we call Omnia Premium Pro? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, you know, whoever whoever's listening that's familiar with Omnia, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of what we built the company on was through fishing reports. So everybody that's familiar with Omnia knows that, you know, they can get fishing reports. They can read up on what people were using, how they were catching fish and that sort of thing. But um, obviously we want to, the goal is to help anglers catch more fish on their own, you know, uh, help them learn, help them find success on the water. So uh, the leadership at, at Omnia has been really, really uh, gung ho about premium pro, which is our new app subscription in the Omnia app. And, um, Essentially, it provides you with uh, different map layers that you can use. Um, so we've got uh, various layers, obviously the contour layer, um, the bottom hardness layer. So now that, you know, if you're on a body of water, you can see uh, through through this map layer where or which sections of the lake are going to have harder bottom than others. Um, we've got vegetation layer, so you can see if there's going to be the uh, any vegetation in a particular bay or a stretch of shoreline that you're fishing. Um, we have weather, weather, weather data as well. So you got wind radar that you can put. And the really cool thing, and, and we've heard this comment from a lot of people is, man, I just wish, you know, the app that I use for wind, it shows me, you know, it shows me the direction of the wind based on barbs and how, how fast the wind's going to be blowing or hard the wind's going to be blowing. But I wish I could, overlay contours on top of that, you know, and now we've got that functionality where you can overlay contours on wind direction. So, you know, specifically how 
a certain point or an offshore hump is getting hit by the wind. And if, if that's going to position fish in a favorable, favorable way for you or an unfavorable way for you. So um, a lot of really cool stuff coming with Omnia um, with the premium pro subscription. Um, and yeah, and we're constantly improving on it. So our dev team's working on it uh, to make improvements every day. And, and, you know, we, we love feedback from, from uh, our customers that use it and we, we take it to heart and we, we implement those changes as, as we can. So. Sean says he's a fan. Trevor says he was hoping we were going to talk about Omnia maps tonight. He said he's really close to pulling the trigger. Yeah. Uh, Trevor, you've got a great name. You spell it wrong, but it's okay. Uh, he mentioned that earlier that it was good to see a Trevor on live, even though it was spelled differently. <laughs> yeah, it's it's OR, but it's all right. No, I'm just giving crap. Um, yeah, so I, I would definitely, you know, if you haven't, try out the uh, the free trial just to just to, to give a look at it. And like I said, you know, if 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 there's anything that you would would like to change, or if you think that we should make changes, definitely let us know. Uh, you can you can contact you know our our customer service team, and they'll they'll take that and we, we always put it to our dev team to, to make improvements. So um, you pulled up a screenshot here. Let's, I'm curious, don't, do you know, do you know what lake this is or where this is? Mm, Knights Point Road. I haven't really like studied these. It doesn't seem obvious to me. I'll give you a clue. It. It's the Twin Cities premier tournament fishing lake. So it's probably Minnet Minnetonka. Yeah, do you know which bay that is? Hmm. I am definitely not a Tonka. That's probably Stubbs. Nope. Nope. No, not nope. that's no, uh, it's it's I, I got it wrong. It's the far west bay though, right? Yeah, yeah, it's Halsteads. Uh Halsteads, that's what it was. Yeah. I actually so, was probably fishing right i actually fished right here on sunday <laughs> oh really yeah <clears throat> there's a there's a guy that's got a dock right as you go in, into the channel between uh cooks and halsteads right right about where you're fishing he's got like a little well, this airplane. is actually isn't this considered priests here uh yeah you might be right i i just call it cooks because it takes you to cooks but uh He's got a little like a pole with an airplane on it that like spins, mm. I think, with wind direction. But there's always people fishing his dock because they're always catching bluegill off of it. <laughs> there's a uh, there's some bass that live under that dock at times too. So. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so this you is can... the the C map layer. Is that what this is? Yep. Or so is this the standard map layer? Yeah. As of right now, we are. Um, we are using CMAP, so that's community-driven data. Um, so the coverage is going to be a little spotty on on certain lakes, depending on if CMAP has coverage on that. Uh, I don't know if I can speak to uh, the name of the partner that we are going to be working with to get map coverage across the United States, um, but that is coming in the near future. So we should have coverage on every single lake uh, across the United States. Um, but yeah, you can see the CMAP here. Um, it's it looks as you zoom in more, you'll you'll notice that uh, you, this is this is just a screenshot. You you won't see it, um, but as you zoom in more, you will see how detailed uh, that C map data is. Um, so you've got contour layers here. Um, let's see. Can I can I share a screen? Is that is that cool with you? Can I sure. check over the show? Yeah, we can do that. So. 
since I uh, since I'm a Omnia employee, I get the uh, I get access to this on uh, desktop here. But so if we go back to Halsteads, so you can see as you zoom in, the contours get a lot more defined, and you can see you know uh, it's not. It's not as, I guess, it's a lot more detailed as you zoom in. So mm -hmm. it's a, it's really good stuff. Um, like I said, it's community driven. So this is people that are driving over recording with their sonar. So you can see all the little nooks and crannies of the shoreline here. You can see that this one's real sharp, this point, everything, that sort of deal. So you can see how this little edge right here is a little steeper than this gradual transition yeah. there. So and I guess maybe let's explain for those that maybe don't know as much about CMAP is, so CMAP, formerly insight genesis is that correct that sounds right I, I believe that's what it was and so that was lawrence's original like community driven and they actually used to hire like college kids like austin felix and they'd have like uh competition and trevor you were part of that program back in the day like they would yeah. have like super incentives the people that could log the most hours or miles or however they graded it and you guys would be eligible to win like hds units and things like that so yeah, they got a lot of was... mapping done yeah, it was super cool. I, I remember, uh, you know, I, I didn't have the time that some of these kids did, but there was like one superstar kid who won like 10 HDS 12s or something like that, you know, just because they would track the total number of acres that you you log. Um, and I think he was he was one of those kids down in, you know, Tennessee River area that that just had the time to go up and down Kentucky Lake or whatever lake that was um, that he was on and just do lines all day long. And, and so, yeah, he won a ton of graphs. I talked to the CEO do lines all day long. <laughs> yeah. That sounds really bad. It didn't sound record right. tracks all day long. There you go. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I talked to uh, Matt Johnson, who's the CEO of Omnia and uh, you know, he was, he was really big into that in, inside Genesis program and so, uh, yeah, he he had mentioned it. Well, I believe he kid. started a company called Contour Innovations that then became Insight Genesis, that Probably. then became CMAP. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. The guy is uh, 100 miles an hour all the time, super gung ho about this stuff. So that that wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Um, but yeah, so uh, there was a kid in college that just won a ton of graphs, and uh, yeah, he's often doing bigger things now. I can't remember what exactly he's doing, but. Uh, yeah, Matt Johnson is a, is a big fan of his, and and they did that for the college series. So really cool. Yeah. So way to incentivize to that degree. It's a it's a a bit of what CMAP hires out to do commercially, and also community. So I think it's mainly Lawrence users that power CMAP, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But basically, if you have it enabled, right, you can record and then. I don't know if it's wirelessly. I don't run Lawrence, but like whether it's wirelessly or you pull your chips out and then you upload those chips, but that stuff basically goes up into a cloud and that cloud goes out and then you can, you know, I think there are certain CMAP enabled chips where if you just want to have CMAP, right, you can go out and pay a subscription just to get CMAP. And I don't know what the cost of that is. Do you know what CMAP costs? Not I bet you it's at least $50 head. a year or more. <laughs> for yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know off the top of my head. But like to get CMAP, typically you're paying extra. That's a that's a premium thing to get CMAP. So sure. that is something that is, I don't know how often, I don't know if it's daily or weekly or monthly, how often they publish the cloud or republish out that user content. But that is stuff that is literally continuously updated 
by community. Um, and I think maybe Lake Master and I think Garmin may them have their own community driven mapping, but I think C map is probably the biggest at this point. Yeah, I, I think that's right. Um, Garmin or Garmin, uh, Humminbird, I believe has, I don't know. I, I think it's auto chart live or whatever, but I don't yeah. know if that's, if there's a cloud part of it or it's just for yeah, your personal or there's a cloud part of it. Um, but yeah, to uh, Nick's point right here, you know, it's 50 bucks to have Lawrence app on his phone. So, you know, with premium pro, if you're already a premium subscriber to Omnia, it's an additional 20 bucks and, you know, we eat the cost. So what we'll do is we will give you a year subscription of this um, from the time you upgrade to premium pro and we'll add on that. Uh, we'll extend your premium membership on top of that. So, we'll eat the cost of that premium membership so that, you know, if you're, if your premium uh, membership was going to expire a month from today, you got 11 months for free. If you, if you upgrade premium pro today, and that's, that's 20 nice. bucks on top of whatever uh, the 29. So uh, if you're not a premium member, it's, it's $50 for the year. Uh, but you know, premium is the best, I think subscription for tackle purchasing in the entire industry. And to get all this added feature uh, as we continue to go through the different layers, you'll, you'll see, I believe that it's hundred percent worth the extra 20 bucks. So, right. so I mean, um, but I guess the point is if you don't see your favorite lake now or it's not yep. complete, um, it, uh, right. There, it's, it should be updating continuously. And, and, and so like, this is an evolving product to get Correct. more map and the potential. And I know uh, Dustin said there are things that show up on CMAP for him that he doesn't see on Lake Master or Navionics or anything like that. Yep, and it's exactly. really good for if people do it on like backwaters and rivers and places like that that these commercial maps can't get into. That's where yep. you really get some some real gems. Sometimes if if you know they find some dredge holes or some channels and backwaters, that can be really juicy stuff yep. that you can find or find where's where you can run in. You know things like that that you would otherwise wouldn't know. <clears throat> exactly. Um, so let me. I'll get back to the uh, the map real quick. So we'll stay in Halstead's Bay, but you can see here. So I'm going to turn off the depth layer and I'm going to switch to, you know, the hardness. So this is our bottom hardness layer. Uh, you can see that we overlay the contours on there and you can see the hard spots are going to be those spots where the contour changes. You know, so is that right here. overlaid on the C map or is that overlaid on the generic map? Um, Looks like the C map. Okay. Yep. yep. So yeah, as as you would expect, you know, points that stick out humps that stick up you know those are going to be the ones where you're going to have your harder bottom um, but the really cool stuff about this is you know if you're fishing a, a shoreline or something like that you might have an area that has hard bottom on it uh let's see so like this shoreline for example you can see this particular area might not have a ton of hard bottom present but for some reason this spot does so maybe you go from like a sandy to a muddy transition here uh, so rather than, you know, spending your whole time fishing this entire point or this entire shoreline, you just kind of focus in on this or, you know, you can eliminate certain certain parts of from the comfort of your home and not have to, you know, go and scan the whole thing. And potentially with this all being covered in vegetation, um, you know, you can, I guess that's a good segue into our next point here, but you can see there's vegetation all over that deal. Um, so when it's summertime, you know, you're not going to be able to scan through the vegetation and read the hard bottom. So it's uh, it's nice to have that layer um, 
at your disposal so, as well. So if you're a if you're a milfoil flipper, correct. You can if you can combine those. Is is there any chance that at some point that you could be able to look at the vegetation and the hardness at the same time, or is that not um, physically possible? Possibly. Um, I mean, I, I think anything's possible at this point. Uh, you know, if if there's enough want for that, I'm sure we could implement it somehow. Um, but to have, yeah, I mean, we could probably do a different shade of vegetation, a different shade of green, or you know, have the uh, transparency of it, um, so that we can overlay it with this. But uh, yeah, I think I'm sure it's it's probably doable. Right, because I think there's a lot of people like known to go out and scan Minnetonka before the grass grows up to figure out where the hard spots are. So then they can go back and look to see if the milfoil will grow over those spots. And then those would be, you know, prime areas to flip and spend their That's time correct. dinking and dunking versus just randomly flipping all the milfoil. If you can flip during hard spots, so those are going to be high percentage areas to find, you know, schools yep. of bass yep. and foil. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's no secret. Uh, as soon as the ice comes off, you know, some guys break ice to get out into the lake, uh, to go and scan before all that vegetation grows in, but you can see Tonka's got grass all over it, you know, and, and these are typically, you know, anywhere from, you know, zero to 15 to 18 foot of water is where that grass is going to grow that, that coontail mm-hmm. like that. So, um, if you can find the is, areas, this is generated by CMAP as well, right? Correct. Yep. So, so, in theory, when, this stuff does update. Yep. So when, when people are using uh, or when they're, they're recording uh, their sonar logs for CMAP, there's a couple pieces of information or points of information that they're taking in all at the same time. I think there's like five. I can only list three at the top of my head, but it's depth, uh, it's bottom hardness, and then presence of vegetation. So those pieces of information are be, being recorded at all times when these people are recording uh, their sonar logs. So that's where you're, you're able to, you know, implement all these different things into a map and then have different layers that you can use. So um, pretty cool stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think, well, the one thing you couldn't do here, right, we can look at this at satellite view instead of standard view, right? And then you'd see docs when you zoom in, right? Yeah, I mean, you can see some docs. Yeah, I guess the green's kind of covering it up a little bit. Yeah, I guess that's just the way it's, but yeah. Um, so then the next, next layer I can touch on is water temperature. This is pretty cool. Um, coverage, like I said, it's, it's going to be varying because, uh, so we derive this, uh, reading through satellite imaging. Uh, so you can see, uh, we've got lakes all across, all, all across Minnesota. We've got readings on all of it and everything like that. So we can look at Laconia right now. So it looks like it's in the seventies still. Um, but if we go back to Tonka, you can see like there's a huge section here that's not reading or that doesn't have any coverage. And a lot of that is just cloud cover that um, gets in the way of the satellite reading. So um, with with further uh, in the future, as we update the app, uh, we will have uh, previous past history readings that we can showcase too. So you'll you'll be able to see, you know, kind of trends, whether it's if it was 75 on Monday and today is Wednesday and today is 73. You can kind of guesstimate that, you know, it was 74 on Tuesday or something like that. Um, but you can go through previous uh, history or historical data to, to figure out those water temperatures. And uh, it's pretty cool. I think uh, 
one of the ways that we really saw this play this year was uh, during the Red Crest. So uh, BPT had their Red Crest on Lake Norman, and that was back March, first, second week of March, something like that, spawning deal. And uh, we pulled up our, uh, our map, and we could look at the historical data at the time. But um, the guys that were doing well in that tournament were all fishing the south end of the lake. Um, and the reason was, was warm water was down there. And the only reason there was warm water down there, which is crazy in most parts, because the dam, you know, you think the further away you get from the dam, you know, the warmer the water is, the further north you run, you know, you get that south facing stuff, you know, it's going to be warmer up further away from the dam. But if you at Fish Norman, if you have local knowledge on that lake, it turns out there's a warm water discharge at the south end of the lake. And so like, nine out of like the 10 guys that were in the top 10 were fishing that South end because they knew of that warm water discharge. And we were able to pull it up on our map and see it. I don't even know where Norman is. This Norman. Yeah. Norman's here. So, I mean, you can't, you can't tell right now, but right in this section, there's a warm water discharge and this entire section of the lake was like eight to 10 degrees warmer than the rest of the lake. And that's where all those fish were spawning. So, which a lot is of the guys counterintuitive was, because usually it's the northern stretches of the lakes that warm up first. Correct. Correct. So, um, yeah, you like I said, if if the guys that were fishing in that derby had had satellite uh, water temps, they would have known that. Um, but, you know, you live and you learn. So, so this can be, um, it can be good in the spring. Right. You can be looking for bays that warm up earlier. You can kind of get a feel for, and I think even in the fall, there are certain bites. <clears throat> like I think the guys that go up and fish those uh, Cisco chasers up by Hayward and some of those lakes, they know that that bite really doesn't start till the water temps dip below 45 or 48, right? So yep. you could be looking at, you know, and, and I want to think like the musky fishermen that go up and chase the, what is it, the be spawn on, yep. you know, Malax, like yep. that doesn't start until the water temperature hits up. A certain level below right so it can mm -hmm. save you a lot of time and you know that kind of stuff uh based on the bites you're chasing uh that's a good for question. sure and how you know how often the the satellite temps update it's daily <clears throat> yeah it's it's daily um so yeah to that point you know i think i think this is you know water temps obviously going to be a huge player in the springtime uh especially the guys that are traveling around or fishing lakes you know i think of like the guys that are on tour you know on the elite series bpt the opens toyotas tackle warehouse invitations that sort of deal where they're going from lake to lake and trying to figure out okay are these fish ready to spawn yet are they post-spawn are they pre-spawn um water temps going to be huge for that uh and then also for those those northern anglers you know me i love i love malax i love chasing them when it, that water gets cold and you know when that water hits 52 you know it's like okay, it's on, you know, they're, they're getting ready to chew. Um, and, you know, being able to pull up uh, lake temperatures and, and see, you know, obviously Malax being an hour and 40 minutes away from me, you know, I can just look at this and have an idea. Okay. You know, it's been blowing, it's been cold for the last week. I'm curious to see what the water temperature is right now in the lake. And I can just pull up the app, find it. So I don't waste my time. Not like I'm not going to go catch fish if I go out there, but I can really know if they're going to start chewing or not. So um, really I cool know thing to have. Like, do, I, do I keep my tubes on or do I like cut those all off and put football jigs and Minnesota exactly. rigs on? And like... <laughs> yep. Is it a blade bait bite yet? Or am I still stuck throwing a jerk bait? You know, 
that sort of deal. So, cause uh, yeah, those fish, they love eating metal when it's, when it's cold. So, uh, you know, generally speaking, you're not going to throw a, a blade bait when it's 65 degree water out there. But you can, not saying you can't. Um, next thing would be water clarity. So the clarity layer is uh, satellite derived as well. Um, so this is going to show you uh, different gradients of, you know, what the water looks like from the surface. Uh, so blue is, you can see, I guess that's not water temperature, but um, dark blue is going to be very clear uh, as you get into these greens and these yellows, that's going to be more stained. Um, would you say you're a river rat, Rich? Decent amount. I was going to say like, I would say that uh, I was going to say that like most of Minnesota is really boring to look at on water clarity. When you look mm -hmm. at lakes, they all look really blue. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. in other parts of the country, this is much more important. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So um, if you're familiar, uh, Prescott, Wisconsin, where the St. Croix hits the Mississippi, um, you can see Mississippi is nice and muddy. It's dirty. It's going to show that color gradient differently. St. Croix is a stained body of water, but it's clear water. It's just brown. Um, and you can see here that this is that mud line um from the mississippi hitting the st croix and if you pull up google earth uh you'll you'll see that as well um, there's going to be a pretty distinct mud line right there well, and i can it, confirm i fished a tournament there yep in july no june july july and i caught them right where that green meets the light blue on that bank where that current met that mud line there was smally sitting right there you're talking this deal right here <laughs> no right across from it on the oh. uh, minute the like just down like so where that green like right where that current would hit that other bank right there oh right here and you can see that mud line plain as day coming yep. in the water it's it's pretty mm -hmm. accurate from like obviously i was that trend of water i would say is very accurate what is depicted for sure being on that yeah yeah, yeah and i mean this like i said you know we've got water clarity that runs you know, across the United States, because this is all satellite driven data. Um, another place or that I, I, mean, I got a couple of river tournaments coming up uh, yeah. in Prairie du Chien and out of Winona. And if we get rains in the fall mm -hmm. and this stuff updates pretty quickly, there's potential that I can be using that like live almost and be like, hey, you know what, yeah. that that's blown out. Like that's not going to play. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so this is a, a place that I got to fish uh, when I was in the opens. Uh, so you can see Fort Gibson Dam here or Fort Gibson, uh, you know, as it feeds into the Arkansas River. Arkansas River is just chocolate milk. You know, it's super dirty. Um, and there is a huge mud line that sits right here where these two rivers run into each other. Uh, but then a lot of people in Oklahoma fish 10 killer because it's got smallmouth in it. You know, and you can see it's much cleaner based off the water, uh, based off the color gradient here. Uh, it's a lot cleaner than the river. Um, and that's where those... Those guys are catching smallmouth in that deal, so pretty cool stuff. Right, but these are these are things you can look at going to a new lake, and even if it's not live for when you're going, but like a lake like Ten Killer, I would think you could look at, and you could watch the backs of some of those pockets over time, and even like a Ufala or something like that, right? And you would get a good understanding of which one of those, like if those creek arms always stay blue, then that tells you there isn't probably a live creek in the back of that. Correct. So like these ones like on Wildcamp Point, that means those ones probably don't have 
creeks in them. But if you go to the one to the left of Pellet Bay or whatever there, you can see there's some green in there, which leads me to believe that that probably has some run in in that creek, yep. which, you know, at certain times of the year, early and late, you know, that's important. And a, a guys yeah, that absolutely. fish reservoirs and know how that affects bait and warming up water in the spring or having those shad push way in the back when they got fresh water late in the fall. Like those are all key things. And you can get a pretty good guesstimate at which, you know, if you're looking for a run in or if you're looking for trash mats in the backs of creeks, those are really good indicators of where you're going to find those and save yourself driving into every single creek, you know, with tools like this. Yep, absolutely. Um, so those are, those are the core layers. Um, we have weather layers as well. So we've got weather radar, um, which is pretty cool. It's standard. You can see cells moving around. Um, air temperature is another one. So the weather layers, you can, you can stack them on top of each other and on top, on top of a core layer. Uh, so let's just say you wanted to see depth contour. Um, you can see the contour with the air temperature, so on and so forth. Uh, but this is where I was talking about having wind. So you can see the wind barbs and you can see how the particular waves should be pushed on a particular point, a hump, that sort of thing, how it's gonna position bait. So really cool stuff here. Uh, like I said, that's the, the wind contour. If you wanna take off the, or the, that's the wind layer. If you wanna take off the, the depth contours, you can do that just so you can see how it's, you know, hitting a certain area. Um, that whole deal. Um, a really cool one is lightning strikes. So we have lightning strikes as well. Let me zoom on. I don't think. Okay. So you can see here, uh, got lightning strikes north of Grand Rapids, northeast of Lansing, south of Detroit, that whole deal. And if we put on the radar, uh, it kind of matches to a degree, you know, here. Looks like they might lag slightly behind the cells, but yeah. Yep. So then, yeah, then we've got storm storm layer as well so it's got these little uh, cones that signify the direction that it's those storm cells are moving as well um but yeah so all this like i said a lot of this is just for keeping people safe on the water understanding storm cells and if they're they're going to be pushing through a particular body we, of water that you're we even fishing. serve our friends in canada i see <laughs> yeah yes we do there so, you go frank we didn't forget you this time yeah <laughs> But uh, yeah, so this, this is a uh, premium pro, essentially, like I said, um, this is, you know, we're, we're early into this. We just launched it. Maybe it was kind of a soft launch last month, um, but now we're, we're really trying to get the word out on it, but it's uh, it's cool stuff. Um, super awesome to, to use and, you know, hopefully it helps people catch more fish. Um, and yeah, we're going to get more coverage as, as soon as we can. And, uh, there, are, there are things in the works and I guess you don't have a timeline officially right but like to backfill the C map with another map vendor right or a map Correct. provider so that yep. and I guess will you will that be another layer or will it default I, based on I think I think it, I, I don't I don't know for sure but I would say we would probably default to that uh, vendor partner for that that map layer uh and if you wanted to uh you know turn on the community layer to look at switch yeah. yep switch over to cmap to see if there's a more detailed coverage uh you can definitely do that so um that's that's coming down the pipe uh that's i would say hopefully a few weeks out at most um but you know 
yeah, it, it should be should be good to go pretty soon here. Yeah, so this is just the Omnia phishing app, right? So a lot of us already have the Omni app on our phone because we have tackle addictions and we're using this to, you know, place orders for flatworms and uh, jig trailers and Bass Tech jigs and all kinds of things on the fly getting, you know, uh, but there's just a feature in there. So there, there already is like, so in the, in the section where you would go and find like your lake reports and just maps. Right. And then when you upgrade to the premium pro version, this is just another layer in that section. Yeah. So, so the app like, itself, like I the Omni app is free. Yep. Other than the potential impulse buys you may do for tackle purchases, what may not be free. Right. Um, <laughs> addiction is such a weak word, uh, Nick says. And then, so I think that what the, the, the Omnium premium, right, that's a service of level of service once you already have a, so once you get an email, sign up. Right, so an account with Omnia, then you can add premium or just premium, right? And that's nineteen ninety nine, no twenty nine ninety nine, twenty nine ninety nine, yeah. And that gets you ten percent back on your purchases. It gets you expedited free shipping, shipping, free shipping, yep. uh, potential bonus deals for members only. Correct. That's most of it, right? Yeah, I, I think that's that's the gist of it. Um, yeah, yeah, to that point, we do. Yeah, it's free shipping on all your orders. Doesn't matter if you order one bag of flatworms. If you want to buy two hundred bags of flatworms, it's free shipping. Um, and I think it's like six dollars free shipping. So super reasonable. You get ten percent on your purchases. If you spend three hundred bucks a year on tackle, you're getting premium for free essentially. So, um, right. and then yeah, we do specials and deals for premium members only. You know, a lot of the times you get early access to our sales. Um, sometimes we give you better deals than. Uh, the public gets so definitely worth it. Like and the then, time that I got my Tatula SV for thirty percent off. There um, you go. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, yeah, good. It's 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 well worth. And then it so then the premium member. pro is another twenty dollars after that if you already have the premium. Correct. Yeah. Or if and you it, don't have premium, you can just go fifty, and that gets you the premium included with your premium pro. Absolutely. Yep. I think I need a chart. We should have a chart. Like a, um, there's probably a page for it. So this is a good question. So for those of us that are long-term Omnia fans, and several people in this chat are this, where they their their premium already goes out. Maybe let's say until like March of 2024. <laughs> yeah. As an example, yeah. asking for a friend, like yeah. so, if you if you upgrade to the premium pro, does it even go out further, or how does that work? Yeah, I don't I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. I would have to I'd have to check in on that. I want to say that we're going to we would uh just give you the year the extension of uh the premium pro from the day you subscribe to premium pro and then we sure. chop off that uh ex- extended 2025 <laughs> premium. Uh but I I don't know off the top of my head. I could, I could get that answer for you though. Come on, Pete. Where are you, bud? <laughs> um, all right but nonetheless yeah we're happy to to make it work there you go. dustin says his middle name is trevor so does that count for anything that counts because it's spelled correctly nice dtt uh so i did, uh, there's a couple things 
Uh, I think that also we talked about, so I want to um, share something, because I actually used this a little bit when we were looking at, so this is a lake that I fished recently. So this is Lake Alexander. We looked at this on the stream a couple weeks ago. And so this is kind of the same section. So this point here, actually, is it, you have to tell me when it's not actually on the screen, Trevor, because I forget to add the button. Oh, so this, <laughs> so this point here, they're not exactly one for one, is this point here. So we got the vegetation map here and the hardness map, whoops, here. And I'll zoom in here. So I didn't really pay. I, I wish I would have looked a little harder at this. I, I had just gotten Premium Pro like the week before, and I kind of looked at it, and I didn't. But now looking in retrospect, I absolutely saw clear rocks up on the inside weed line of the milfoil right where this red spot is. During That's really cool. the tournament. Yeah. And this particular, I mean, you can see this is kind of firm bottom here, but it, relative to the area, you can definitely see it's a little harder in this section, right? Like, it's definitely not the most rocky part of the whole lake, but in this section, you can see that there's that little bit of orange, firmer bottom. And then there's a pretty good layer of vegetation here with combined with the drops. And we actually did most of our damage a largemouth in the morning in this section right here. So, you know, maybe if I would have paid a little more attention, I could have found that a little earlier instead of 10 minutes before I had to go in. I caught like one nice fish in this section and then I ended up starting there in the tournament. But this is an example of it can be used as a uh, a pre-fishing tool to, to hopefully point you in the right direction to start. But also if you're just fishing, whether it's fun fishing or in a tournament and you're like, you know, we ran into them here. What was going on there? Exactly. Right? And then kind of say, oh, that is interesting, you know, uh, or if I would have found this earlier in practice and if I would have paused and said, okay, I just, you know, fished all day, caught plenty of fish, but all I was catching is 10 to 14 inches. And at the end of the day, you know, I caught a three and a half pounder here. And then in the tournament, we caught, you know, plenty of two to almost three pounders right here. And it's like, okay, now I could have backed out, right. And said, well, you know, what was, you know, and then look for that you know, looking at those layers through the rest of that lake. So I think that's interesting that I think in, I think that could be, that's something you can go back even like if you've got a decent memory, right. To say like, Hey, uh, you know, pick a, pick an open, pick grand, pick, uh, when I went down to Pickwick, pick when I was fishing a river tournament where I, almost got into something or I found something late or I had a really good day. And I was like, you know what? I stumbled into those fish on that Island or that point or that whatever. Now let's go back and dissect that and analyze it beyond just the depth contours, but look at, okay, what does the vegetation look like? What does the hardness look like? What are some of the other things, the layers look like? Maybe there's something on the sea map that wasn't on my avionics that wasn't on my Lake master and start mm -hmm. to learn and go, okay, now when i go back there or when i go to another lake that's a similar style uh i can use that and say hey i when i when i see these three or four ingredients together i need to look for that because that that was special yeah i i think you're exactly right um you know anything that can help us try to 
uh, I guess, further breakdown why we caught fish somewhere, why we didn't catch fish somewhere, uh, looking back in hindsight is, is definitely something that, you know, anglers are going to find useful. Um, you know, I think of my time fishing the classic on grand, uh, that year that we fished it, uh, the winter before that we had record high rains flooding and, and the entire lake was dirty as can be, you know, and, and, uh, the spot that Edwin Ever want Edwin Evers wanted out of was way up the elk in like gin clear water and catching six pounders with a finesse jig, you know? And so, um, I just, I think of all these different things that you could use, whether it's the, uh, clarity layer or, you know, he needed it to, he said that he found those fish in practice. He knew they were there, but he needed the conditions to be right. And he needed it to be blown a little bit. So having the wind layer come into effect, uh, and using that to see that, okay, if I can make it, if I can survive to day three of the tournament, it's going to be blowing 15, 20 miles an hour in the right direction for me to go catch those clear water fish. Um, so a lot of these things can come into play, uh, and allow you to capitalize on, you know, whether it's a tournament or if you're just out fun fishing. Absolutely. So I guess, you know, to, to full circle now, right. We've arrived at the lake, right. Like, so I guess, I think, I mean, I think the Omnia app for an extra, I mean, like, I think a lot of people in this chat already like premium guys. So like that extra 20 bucks is like pretty easy, (laughs) like for that 20 bucks, like, uh, to be able to like, you catch a couple, I mean, we, we spend uh, $20 on topwaters and jerk baits or a handful of jigs that we may or may not ever catch a fish on. So if it puts a couple of fish in your boat, it seems like a pretty good deal or on top of the safety stuff of the weather. I think that's pretty cool. So we get to the well, lake, right? We've, we've done our, go ahead. Sure. No, I was just saying, I think what helps is to put everything in one spot, you know, so you're not flipping through four different apps on your phone. Um, mm-hmm. And just, yeah, to the, to that uh, point is just being able to layer them on top of each other. You have your core layers and the other layers. Um, and just so that you can see, you know, how the wind's blowing on this particular, uh, this bay, or is this bay going to get hit by a storm? on tonka can i fish the rest of the bay and miss the storm that sort of deal so is this app available on tablets as well the omni app yeah yeah it's uh yeah so if you're one of those people that wants to mount like a an ipad or an android tablet like you could absolutely use this almost as a graph on your boat pretty inexpensively yep Yep, exactly yeah it's you'd uh, have to have it on wi-fi or, or a plan right but correct yeah it's yeah it's available on android and ios so anything that uses that uh, whether it's the Google Play Store or the uh, app, app Store, you can get uh, Omni app on it. It'll be interesting to see if any of these graph makers actually like integrate Android or Apple. I guess it would be more likely be Android into Probably. an interface. It, it couldn't be that hard to do, could it? Like, that's I'm surprised <laughs> nobody's done that yet. That's a that's a foreign language to me. <laughs> I don't know, right? I mean, you already got a touchscreen on like Solixes and HGSs mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Like, we're just talking about it can't be that hard. I mean, they would be more expensive, right? But like, I mean, if the hardware is almost all the way there, like, what are we really talking about? Maybe another five hundred bucks to a unit to make it like a basically a built-in tablet. Essentially, I don't know if you'd need like a HDMI plug-in or something like that. Yeah. 
and it's like a kayak right i think like just like a little phone mount <laughs> i mean you're right there i mean like I don't, that's all for you sure. need right like yeah um, absolutely yeah for sure uh so yeah like let's let's take this to the you know we talked about this as a research tool a post-mortem tool and on the lake tool but like what other things when you get to a lake what do you like to do trevor do you like to like take a spin do you already have like kind of idea of a milk run of based on your research i want to hit this point in this cove like how do you break down a new lake once you get there do you come in with a plan or do you just like to kind of roll around and see what looks good and how do you attack things generally you know i i'd like to at least take a look at contour maps beforehand uh i'm a mm -hmm. big offshore guy um and sometimes it burns me because you know a lot of the times you know fish big fish are caught up shallow in grass um and i don't know i i i think it it like i said it hurts me at times where i think dock fishing is not sexy so I don't do it as much as I probably should. Um, but I, I like to look at a contour map and kind of get some offshore stuff that I, I want to go and look at. Um, and then, like I said, Google Earth, trying to figure out any sort of little knickknack stuff that, that might stick out or it might be an oddity to that lake. Um, that's that's kind of stuff that I'm looking for. And then, yeah, go make that little milk run um, and, and just start fishing. Yeah. So do you like to, so you kind of have a plan. Like I, I definitely want to check this hump and this point and this turn and, yep. and you're going to kind of like, what are you going to buzz it quick with 2d and are you just going to slow down and idle it and scan it with side scan? Like how do you like to, to break down water once you're there? Yeah. Generally it's, it's side imaging. I'm going to go and if it's, if it's a point, I'll drive over what I think is going to be the best. Uh, <laughs> top fishing is super sexy. Yeah. Especially when you, you bring a half ounce jig on a pontoon. Um, yeah, it's, it's usually side imaging. Uh, and nowadays with 360, you know, if, if you think that a certain spot on that on that point on the contour looks the best, you know, I might just roll up and drop the drop the trolling motor down um, because that thing is basically side imaging. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's that's usually what I would do. Uh, one one thing, like I said, I think it takes less time to side image uh, than to go and drop the trolling motor down and read the 360. So you know, if there's no vegetation or if it's a point that, you know, has no cover on it, it's just some random point that's just nothing but sand. If I, if I'm not seeing anything, I might just skip over it and I don't even waste making a cast. Yeah. Uh, it depends on the side of the lake too, right? Like, yeah. Sometimes I do like to just like, a lot of our lakes in Minnesota, you, you know, not like Tonka, but a lot of these other lakes, like that Lake Alexander Lake that I was on, that was a couple thousand. A lot of times you can just kind of do a hot lap around the lake and kind of get a feel for like hey i see some pads back there that that you know i see some 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 uh reeds over here like kind of like this looks like a shallow slot bay this this water looks a little deeper and cleaner over you can kind of just like hey get a lay of the land to kind of reconfirm some of that stuff you see on google maps uh sometimes it's good just to kind of cruise around and get a feel for before I really get start serious about graphing, I like to maybe just like do some 2D and like, what, what is the grass? Is the grass stopping at eight? Is it stopping at 18? Is it going out to 24? Am I mm -hmm. seeing bluegills, you know, right by the ramp? Is it clean? You know, sometimes I like to just kind of like look around and do some 2D kind of quick surveillance before I really start graphing to kind of get a feel for like, hey, what's going on? Where, where am I seeing bait? Like, and then I can kind of take like a, a lake master and like, hey, I'm seeing, you know, bluegills 
you know, they're sitting at six feet down, they're sitting 18 feet down. You can kind of maybe like guesstimate where I should be looking. Should I be scanning in six feet of water? Should I be scanning in 16 feet of water? Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, I think before I start scanning, sometimes I like to do just a little bit of like 10,000 foot before I start like really like digging in. For sure. Yeah. I think uh, to that point, it, it kind of depends on where you're fishing. Um, I do a ton of fishing up at Mille Lacs. And so, you know, early springtime, you, you think a smallmouth, they're cruising up shallow, that sort of deal. So uh, a lot of the times I'll, I'll leave the outboard running and I'll just, you know, put it in forward and I'll just let it idle and I'll jump on the trolling motor, drop it down. And I'll use the trolling motor just to turn left and right, you know, basically use the outboard to push me faster than my trolling motor would take me um, and just cruise and stand and look and try to find fish that are cruising or wolf packs or that sort of deal. And all the while, you know, with the graphs being all networked and everything like that, you can still side image while you're doing that. So, you know, if you see fish on transition or fish on, you know, like a sandy flat or a drop off or that sort of deal, um, you, you're kind of eliminating two birds with one stone. You can you can use your eyes to, to see visually some fish that are cruising up shallow if that's what you're thinking they're doing this time of year. Or you can use your eyes underwater with your electronics at the same time by networking and seeing what your back graph is, is showing you on your front graph. Yeah. Sure. That's a good point, Tim. Like, uh, yeah, 20, uh, if you do some research on the yeah. premium pro, you could easily save more than $20 in gas in a year. That would, that's not a lot of gas, <laughs> especially <laughs> not, not in, today. Boat, your boat, but my boat, it's not much. Nah. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, mine. Uh, mine. I think. I think he gets like four miles a gallon, <laughs> something yeah. like that. So probably or less. Four gallons to the mile, right? <laughs> probably less if I'm really running. So could we get a layer with uh, food reviews for great places to have lunches yes. on lakes? Absolutely. Yep. Hundred percent. We should do that. Like, should I go to Nitties or should I go to uh... <laughs> the boathouse? Yeah, the boathouse. Yeah, that's you been twin. there. I got Max Twin. Yeah, they make a they good. They still turn a lot out of there sandwich. that one year. I don't know that. I, I think I had a couple of beers. There. I don't know that any food. No, no, we wouldn't yeah. have had some apps. I think one day maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, we. You know, a lot of the times I'll I'll take a stop midday to do like a lunch break with clients out there. Uh, we'll do a a lunch, get you a walleye sandwich, tartar sauce, some fries good for the soul i'm too hardcore for that i can't <laughs> i i'm not fishing when the clients are out so it's nice to yeah. recharge no i'm saying like if i if i hired a guide on a lake i'd want to fish oh, yeah, the yeah, entire yeah. eight hours like i don't for sure yeah i mean uh, sure yeah, if it's lightning it, let's go and have a a, a walleye yeah. sandwich and a bloody mary okay. but yeah other than that yeah it, it depends on the client some guys are you know we'll grind it out for 10 hours straight. You know, others are like, no, oh, let's just lay back. You know, we'll put on some Jason Albine. I've got a couple four pounders. I could go for a sandwich. Like, yeah, 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 for sure. Kick back, you know, put your feet up, listen to Spotify on your little Bluetooth speaker. Yeah. So. This is interesting. I think uh, opacity of layers could be good for taking notes. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's, um, kind of alluding to using the bottom hardness with the vegetation layer at the same time. Yeah. I think uh, that could be something we, we look into. So I can, I can take that to our dev team and, and suggest that for sure. Nice. 
This could be your future, Trevor. This is, my, this is my daughter's think of fishing for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I don't, I don't want to be the one to push my daughter to fish if she doesn't want to fish. But um, you know, I, I do, I will introduce her to it. I'll introduce her to hunting, that sort of deal. But I'll leave it up to her. We're getting into people's eating habits on fishing now. Yeah, yeah, I, I generally don't eat much if I'm, I'm fishing too. Uh, but yeah, if, if I'm guiding, you know, like a lot of the times I'm working the trolling motor and, and sitting back and letting people make casts. So, uh, if they want to stop in for some food, when you, when you're not catching fish, that's when you get hungry. And generally when you're guiding, you're not catching fish. So, uh, yeah. uh, so I guess, you know, how, how often do you typically, are you the kind of guy that can, you know, let's put our, like, if you're going to a tournament, like when you're in tournament mode, are you like, how long do you typically graph before you fish? Or are you like graph a little bit, fish a little bit, graph a little bit, fish a little bit? How do you approach? Because there's, again, it seems like a lot of the anglers that are like the best at what they do at the top level will graph literally for almost their whole practice and fish very little. But what, yeah. What's your approach and what have you found works for you? Well, I'm definitely not the top tier angler. <laughs> right. I have no problem admitting that. Um, so I, I do a little bit of graphing and a little bit of fishing. Um, I, depending on how much practice time I have, you know, uh, when I was fishing the opens, I'd like to try to get there at least and give myself like four or five days of practice, uh, especially with these being huge bodies of water. Um, so it's, you know, it's a little bit of graphing, a little bit of fishing. If, uh, if I get onto a pattern, then I'll just start graphing like crazy and try to replicate those spots. Um, but yeah, I, th I think it's a little bit of both. I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm confident enough to say I'm graphing. I know bass, you know, I, I want to go and pull on one of them and make sure it is a bass, you know, mm -hmm. and, and to kind of gauge the size of it, because, you know, you can, you can see dots on a graph and everybody will, you know, try to toot their own horn about how oh, I can tell a five pounder from a, a, a two pounder on my live scope or my side imaging. I know those are all fours and fives and sixes, but it's like, I don't know. I, I, I guess maybe I'm just not there yet, um, but I'll go make a cast and see if I can't hook into one of them. And I feel like there's a lot of hidden fish in Minnesota. Like it's, can you see fish on your graphs in Minnesota? Yes. But in our grass lakes, not so much, not, not, not all the time, right? You could drive over right. the mother load and not even know it. I feel like. Yeah. hundred um, percent. I'm much more of a graph, some fish, some, get a clue and then try to, you know, dial in my Lake master. Right. Okay. I, I got a good bite and, you know, 10 foot. So I'm going to, you know, highlight. Yep. Eight to 12, go look at those areas, try to repeat the vegetation and, and kind of do it that way. Um, yeah, I, I like to get sure. some, some responses uh, for sure. Yeah. Do you ever, do you ever graph during tournaments? Um. I don't find myself doing that. I find that's hard for me to do. Like it's a multi-day tournament. I will. Um, but if it's a single day tournament, I, I generally don't. Um, I think most of my graphing is needs to be done before that tournament starts. Yeah. So yeah, unless it's uh unless I've got, you know, if it's a, like if I'm on the St. Lawrence and I've got 23 pounds, 24 pounds, I might sure. go graph a little for bit, sure. but, yeah if i'm on tonka and i've got 
13. That's like saying, that how often do you throw glide baits in a tournament? Oh, when I got 20 pounds in the boat, I like to pick it up and try for a big one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's easy to make things happen when you've already got 20 in the boat. <laughs> yep. 100%. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm struggling out there, you won't find me grabbing. I'm going to, trolling motor's going to be down. My head's going to be down. That's sure. where the 360 is really nice. You can kind of mm-hmm. like fish fast and kind of side image and kind of like drop it down on a point and kind of fish and give it a look around, you know, especially yep. if you've got front facing and a 360, you can kind of be fishing and yep. like kind of taking it all in and, and spend five, 10 minutes on a spot and then hop. So that, that's probably so, my preference versus just I've got a question graphing. For you. Um, you have, you have front facing sonar on your boat. Mm-hmm. So I, I talked to one of the guys at the office and I was telling him that if, if you're using your forward facing sonar, and you're just looking for fish before you make a cast, do you feel you're wasting time on the water by not just making random casts while you're you're panning around with your uh, forward-facing sonar? Or I think it depends in the situation. Yeah. You know, if you're out, like, fishing smallies, like, I'm, like I think, like, on a place like Green Lake out in Spicer, you can absolutely probably just drive around and cast at dots and fishing, like casting when you're not seeing them is probably almost a waste of time. But if you're fishing for a largemouth and occasionally like seeing a blip stick out from a little weed point, I think then you're probably better off keeping a line wet while looking. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I just kind of feel like if your line's not in the water, you're potentially missing out on fish, but uh, I definitely understand the sentiment of, you know, I'm not going to make a cast until I see a fish because I don't want to see a fish and then have to reel up my line real quick and waste, you know, 10, 15 seconds getting my line back in the water, flip out to them. But yeah. 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 I think like St. Clair was a prime example. St. Clair and Champlain this year in that style of fishing, I think you were probably wasting more time if you were casting and not casting at a fish. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, think, I don't I think, think we you're have right. a ton of that in minnesota um that's last tournament i fished on lake alexander when i was largemouth fishing i was watching my 360 and watching my live scope quite a bit but i was flipping uh like a a tube with like a three-quarter five-eighths ounce tungsten so it was like yep and i went with the tube yeah, because quick. this was a smally largemouth fishery so i kind of wanted to like ride that fence of like could feel like pretty confident i get bit with both yep but it also wouldn't take me long. Like if I was fishing a grass area, like like I could flip out, land right on its head. Um, mm-hmm. And if they didn't move or didn't react, maybe then I would reel up and make the next cast with a drop shot that I had sitting right there. But there was sure. a period of point in the day where I went out and slid out, drop shot, like more in smallmouth areas where I had found smallmouth in practice. And there I found myself more waiting till i saw but they, the areas i was in there was actually like it, it, you didn't typically spend much time not seeing a dot yeah to throw. i mean they were there was a decent amount of fish in those areas um sure. but there would be times where i wouldn't see nothing but i would scan over and i'd see like a little thick clump or i'd see like a little bigger rock and i would pitch to those while then i would scan around and sometimes i would pick up a fish off a weed clump or a, a rock that i did not see a blob right. on and would get a bite on so i think there is a, a balance there but like if you're fishing like like Champ- uh, Champlain where they were fishing like fish relating to bait over suspended water at that mm-hmm. point yeah i think you were probably wasting your time casting out if you weren't seeing something right and that's that's that was kind of my my thing is like you know 
having your line in the water is always an opportunity for you to run into another fish. So um, I figured that was, you know. And I think I a team like tournament is different here. than a solo tournament also, right? Like sure. in a team tournament, yeah. that guy behind can be like, just like, you know, farming with a, with a, with a small Kitek or, you know, a Ned rig and just, you know, kind of shotgunning and you can be more like rifle yep. sniping per se. Um, sure. sure. Yeah, that makes sense. But if I'm in scout mode, like if I'm, and I, and I, and I by no means am I no expert. I have only had uh, my garments since September, which, you know, half that time was frozen. So I'm still learning a ton. But if I'm in the mode where I'm looking for fish, if I'm making casts, I'm between my 360 and my Garmin. If I'm going to make a pitch, I'm going to make it based on something I see. It may not be a fish, but I might be looking at a thick clump or a hole yeah. or a tall, you know, tall or low. I mean, like I'm trying to make a high percentage cast at something. It may not be a fish, but I'm not just blindly a lot of times slipping into the grass. I'm more like, hey, there's something yeah. different here. There's a there's a bump. There's a high spot. There's something going right. on. Yeah, I think I think you're right. You know, that's that's where you pair that 360 with your live scope. If you're if you're panning that live scope, looking for dots that are sitting outside those weed clumps, but you know you're not making a cast into the weed clumps unless you see a dot sticking out of it. I think you're wasting your time. I or I think I, I don't think you're making the most out of your. Or time. you're a lot better at it than I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's and that's what I'm saying. It's like you know, with these grass lakes in Minnesota, I feel like you have to you could potentially be missing fish that are sitting in grass, you know, if, if you're just for looking sure. for the ones that are, are sticking out like a sore thumb on your live scope. So, but there is something that like, the more you look at it, the more your eye gets trained that you see that like, Oh yeah. Little movement, that little blob. And you're like, mm -hmm. yeah. I saw, I, I didn't see the whole fish, it's but like, I saw enough there to think there was, you know, so it's like that, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio meme. <laughs> what, what, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> sitting on the couch. <laughs> yeah for sure cool what else so we've been uh going about an hour and a half i don't know were there any uh questions yeah smallmouth tight to rocks i yeah. i'd assume that like you have some kind of you have a garmin or a front facing of some kind yeah i got a lot scope yeah yeah so like what do you think malax like is it easy to see fish are there a lot of fish hiding in rocks that you don't see like or do you see a lot of times they react you'll like flip to a boulder or a patch of rocks and you'll see them come up at your yep. bait and you're like, Oh, whoa. that's usually what it is. Um, yeah, I think the bigger player on Mille Lacs for me personally is uh three sixty. Um, mm -hmm. I'm maybe it's just the way I grew up fishing. I I'm a tart, I'm a cover structure fisherman. You know, I, I'm not necessarily looking for fish because to that point, you know, I, I see, I've seen plenty of times where you'll go and, uh, scan or put 360 down and you got four boulders big boulders next to each other and you'll go point your live scope at it and you can't see a fish on there but as soon as you make a cast with a ned rig or a drop shot or something like that it's like they all just come right off the bottom you know so what what it can give you though when you stacks now right like you used to be looking at 360 and you're like well i'm making the right cast with this ned rig yep and there's usually fish there but for some reason i'm not getting bit but now the mm -hmm. live scope might show you like well those fish came up and they looked at that net, but they didn't eat it. So, like, so, do I need to change color? Do I need to go heavier? Do I need to go lighter? Do I need to show them a drop shot? Do I need to do I need to jerk a jerk bait? I mean, right? Like, it can give you that. Like, yeah. okay, they're here. I made two casts of the net. It didn't work. Now I gotta. I, I have to change something, right? So, mm -hmm. like, that's the thing that, like, 
it can really stack even though you can't see them or find them they will you see how they react to their bait and it's like all of a sudden you can start to like process information so much faster yeah you're exactly right um being a guide having live scope is one of the best uh i guess confidence boosters for your clients because back in the day if you didn't have live scope you could you could say all you want you know we caught fish here yesterday or we were just here blah 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 catching fish but now you can actually point show them the graph and be like that's a fish right there i'm not lying to you there there are fish around here you know and uh i a couple years ago i had uh when i just got my live scope we ran out to uh, a big point and we were fishing and marking fish with a live scope and that we would fire a ned rig out there and it's only right on its head you know as it's going down it hits it's right in front of them and that fish would just take off gone get out of there you know and we're like what the heck's going on so we did that with like three or four fish and i'm like something's off here you know and so your standard you know turd i took it off and i put on a turd craw instead i was like maybe we change the profile something might something might change every single fish we saw after that we caught you know and and i don't think you know without live scope you know, I probably could have figured that out later if I didn't have live scope, you know, maybe, you know, you're fishing half the day and you're like, why the heck are these fish biting? There should be fish around here, blah, blah, blah. But with live scope, we figured out within 15 minutes, you know, seeing three or four fish run away from the bait that we know something is wrong with this bait, you know, or something is wrong about this, that they don't want to touch it. And we switch the profile and they start eating every single one that falls down. So yeah, pretty cool. Last year, late in the year, I went out like November 12th, which was like the last day when we had that like 70 degree day and it like was mm. 70 degree at noon and by five o'clock it was like 30 degrees <clears throat> and then it was like ice the next week and uh, I was fishing Marion, which is like my least favorite lake, but uh, anyways, I didn't have a lot of time, went out there fishing and uh, I was catching, I was catching northerns like on a lipless crankbait around grass and that's uh, about right. And I saw, I could see other fish like blobs moving in and out of the grass patches. And so then I started flipping a jig and I could see fish kind of move around my jig, but they weren't eating it. So then I tried slow rolling a chatterbait. Similar thing where I could see them kind of moving, but I weren't, I wasn't getting any bites. So then I went to a jerkbait and then I realized right out of the gate, I could see my jerkbait on my live scope and I was like, whatever three feet above the grass there's a standard 110 and i was like yeah eh, this is like 40 degree water that's with largemouth that's probably not close enough so then i like made yep. two or three casts and i was like we're not getting close enough i went to uh, a rearrange plus or mr and instantly yep. could see like oh man my bait's like going through the tips of like the coontail and milfoil and literally as i cleared the first patch boom it was a pike but then like <laughs> a few casts later i caught a nice bass and like i was i was like i started catching pike and bass like at a much higher rate by making those For bait sure. adjustments based on that like I, I i could have literally probably gotten skunked that day without it yeah not being able to make yeah, those I, bait adjustments because i was only out for a few hours and like I, there's no way i make that progression as fast as i did like that was all within like 20 minutes to make all those progressions yeah, for sure especially you know if you're fishing by yourself too you know if if you've got you know two or three guys in the boat you know and everybody's throwing something different you know then you can start to figure out okay they're eating this sure. guy's bait better let's all switch over to that or so on and so forth but if you're fishing by yourself you know like i said 
This is just another tool that helps you be more efficient on the water. Uh, I don't think it's cheating by any means. I don't think it's unfair. Sure. Um, half of everybody has live scope nowadays and the other half is the one that complained about live scope. So, um, yeah, I think it's just another tool to help you catch more fish in the water and understand fish behavior. I think, uh, that's probably the most, uh, that's probably the most of what I've gotten out of having a, a live scope on my boat is just seeing sure. how fish react to specific things. So. Absolutely. I got it. I didn't do it. There, there should be a link in the description of the video, but I also just put it in the chat here. So if anybody was, that'll get you through the website. Uh, and then you can follow that to the app store, but otherwise you can just search Omnia in your, your app. Or if you already have the Omni app, you can go to like the map section, right. And find, uh, this stuff. So, but so that, that's how to get it there. If you're looking for it. Um, what else is it? Any other questions that we haven't answered about the app or uh, Brian wants to know where you guys are fishing this week? I don't, uh, I might sneak out somewhere local this week. I was thinking about trying to make a, a jaunt down to the river, but I think I'm just going to wait and go the three days before the tournament rather than driving back and forth to Prairie du Chien several times. But I don't know. Are you, get, are you getting out? You the boats uh, fixed? Like, what's what's the plan? Yeah, the boat's uh, working. Um, so fingers crossed that it stays working. Uh, but, yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe run up to the pond. You know, I haven't, I haven't been fishing out much. Uh, a lot of what we've been doing is just content for Omnia right now. So, we got out last week and pulled on a few fish, but you know, one of my little little juice holes that just wasn't fishing the way it usually does for some reason. Um, but yeah, so I don't know, maybe get out to the pond. I'm gonna I'm gonna be fishing that city auto glass derby up there. Oh sure. So uh, might want to go see what those fish are doing. Um, nice. When's so that coming up? Blind. Uh, 16. So 10 days okay. next Saturday. So that'd be kind of fun. I haven't nice. fished a derby on Mille Lacs in years, so generally you can't keep them up there. Well, this one is just sure. it's it's length. They convert it to weight, um, so I don't know how true that is. Uh, you could catch a six pounder that's twenty inches, and some guy catches a four and a half that's twenty one that yeah. weighs more. So for cool. sure, yeah. So here's a fun one. I went. Uh, I picked. I had a. Uh, my my uh, my my three sixty actually shorted out on me. <clears throat> I dropped it off at Intune after that tournament, and uh, I wasn't sure what it was, but it stopped working. So I had them kind of sleuth it out a little bit and uh, picked it up on Thursday night. Awesome for them to turn it around for me at Intune. Uh, hats off to those guys. But uh, I stopped on a lake on the way home that the year before I had had fun on little little lake out west, like halfway back from from Richmond and. It just wasn't like I pulled up and I'm the only one there and I'm like, that's weird, but it's a Thursday night and we have 10,000 lakes. You know, sometimes you pull up a lake, nobody's there, but that's like, okay, nobody's here. I get out and I'm and like, things are looking good. Like the water looks good. The pads look good. Like the grass looks good. And I like fish like four or five docks, slow my, you know, roll a chatter. I mean, this is not a pressured lake, right? Like yeah. slow roll a chatterbait across some pads and I'm just not getting bit and I'm not getting bit and I'm not getting bit. And I'm like, hmm, <laughs> I catch one scrawny, like 13 incher on a Carolina rig. And I try to go out deep right before I had to head in. And then 
run into a guy at the dock and his, his little kid catches like a four inch bass and then he catches the blue gun. He's like, Oh man, that's awesome. It's like, I thought this like winter killed. That's like, I think it did. <laughs> yeah. That's, well, that's that's the the sad part where we live. These little gem of lakes are very susceptible to winter kills and bad winters, and mm-hmm. and we we need a we need a, you know we had the uh, I don't you guys don't do the do you guys still do the tournaments on Omnia list? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we need a winter kill list on Omnia because <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah. nothing more frustrating. That is the second lake I've shown up this year and spent time on it at winter kill. Yeah. Yeah, no, that uh, that might be something to note uh, for sure. Maybe we uh, somehow partner with the DNR to get that information or something. But um, yeah, to that point, that that little juice hole that I went to the other day to film content, I was like, yeah, we're gonna go catch him. However, we want to catch him. You know, we want to film football jig content. We can do that. We can film Carolina rig content. We can do that. We can throw a chicken. We can throw a swimmer. Blah blah blah. Do whatever. Live scope them. And uh, we, uh, I was trying to film a promo for. Uh, some outcast stuff that we got coming up and i was like yeah let me uh i told our content guy fergus i was like yeah fergus we'll just roll up to the stretch of docks i catch them here all the time you know there's grass and right on the edge of these docks and they're they're always sitting in those clumps you know and i was like i'll just throw a swim jig by him we'll catch four or five of them we'll take we'll do this little uh promo take three or four times however many you know to make sure that we got it good pull up to the first dock fire both sides every which angle not a fish that was weird second dock not a fish third dock not a fish i'm like what is going on here you know and uh so i started just fishing the edges of the of the grass clumps nothing didn't get a bite you know i fished like seven eight docks didn't get a bite and i was just like dude what is going on with this lake and ran out to you know the rock hump in the middle ran out to some uh, grassy hump with some rock on it in the middle as well couldn't catch a fish on a jig couldn't catch a fish on a drop shot senko couldn't catch a fish you know uh throwing a like a small kitek around either and i was like what in the world's going on and yeah they just they just weren't eating i I don't know uh they're they were there i mean you could see them on live scope and so uh we ended up just little three inch spark shad in his face dangling in his face and you'd get bit but it wasn't it wasn't the way we wanted to catch him you know so uh that's how content goes sometimes when you're trying to go that's when you think you're gonna for something that's when it backrides exactly 100 uh, yeah frank we even we had a shout out for the canadians you have to watch the replay <clears throat> <laughs> nick says great show greg says it will be used awesome uh, it did not start with a c uh, Cool. Yeah, I know. Last call for questions. We're we're rolling up on two hours. Trevor's probably got to get up early and work on his fantasy team tomorrow. So yeah, yeah. Cooper Cup's out. Well, that's Sunday. I don't. I've got a couple guys playing tomorrow, but I gotta. This is uh this is the Omnia Media Tour right now. We're going through. So I appreciate you having me tonight. Uh, we've I've got a I've got another podcast and I'm jumping on tomorrow and I've got a couple more next week. So I'm uh I'm making my rounds. I guess. You know, it's a way to make me not feel special, Trevor. Thanks. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah. Champ, Sierra 730 worth champ. Uh, I like the Sierra better, but they're both pretty good chatterbait rods. Uh, I think they're both very versatile rods. Both can do a lot. I have both. I like them both. 
I, I throw more swim jigs on my Champ 734, and I tend to throw a chatterbait more on my Sierra 734. But can't go wrong with either one, honestly. So, cool. All right. Uh, we'll wrap things up. If you came in late, I think we gave a, you know, we, we kind of, we toured the Omnia Premium Pro app, but I also think we gave a lot of other good nuggets, regardless of whether you ever sign up for the app or not. Uh, a lot of good nuggets. So if you come in on Facebook or YouTube, I think the replay is well worth a revisit. Or if, you know, you, um, search Hellabass on your favorite uh, podcast app and, and and listen to the sweet tones of Tilo and myself uh, giving some tea. Sweet any, any, any other parting words, Trevor? I've, I've been told I have a, a face for radio. So there you that's go. Uh, I think I think you alluded to the sweet tones there. Um, next time, next time I get on with you. I'll, I'll I'll work on adding a little more bass into the into the uh, the voice so that we can elaborate on the sweet tones a little more. <laughs> so there you go. Trevor recommends MP3 audio only. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we can sneak out this fall. Uh, but as always, here to help you guys catch more big bass and suck less. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As always, thanks to all of you that hung in till the end of this podcast. This has been another episode of Hellabass Bass Fishing Podcast Experience. Please consider sharing this with any of your bass and buddies and friends. This is the best way for podcasts to grow is through word of mouth. Also, don't forget to search Hellabass on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, or just about anywhere else so that we can connect in more ways. As always, here to help you catch more bass and suck less. <laughs>